This is the 10,000 Depositions Later podcast, episode 85. I'm Jim Garrity, the host and the author of the best-selling book, 10,000 Depositions Later, the premier litigation guide for superior deposition practice. Today's episode, is it okay to bluff a deponent into thinking that you have evidence you don't in order to gain admissions? So here's the scenario. You're starting the deposition of a witness whose credibility could legitimately be called questionable. So you conspicuously put nine or 10 audio cassette tapes in front of the deponent and you suggestively label the tapes in one way or another to imply that the tapes contain specific content that they do not contain. Not only do you allude to the tapes during questioning, but you also intermittently caution the witness to answer truthfully or risk perjuring herself. In fact, you know that the tapes are blank or have information unrelated to the deponent. And so you do not and cannot offer them as evidence for anything except perhaps your most excellent taste in music. All right, where do you fall on this? A, it's okay because wide latitude is essential during discovery, including depositions, in order to draw honest testimony from a potentially untrustworthy witness. And the use of audio cassette tapes like this, or a flash drive, whatever it is, is a strategy intended to achieve a legitimate end. Or would you say answer B, it would be okay as long as the lawyer doesn't explicitly mention the tapes because any conclusions reached by the deponent under those circumstances are merely the witness's speculation and not attributable to the attorney. Or C, not okay, it would likely violate professional ethics rules that forbid lawyers from engaging in conduct involving fraud, deceit, dishonesty, or misrepresentation, as well as potentially other rules, and probably get you suspended from practice for a significant period of time. All right, well, if you guessed answer C, then you correctly predicted the Supreme Court of Ohio's ruling in a case where it was faced with exactly these facts. In that case, which is cited in the show notes, a local bar association charged an attorney in a three-count complaint with violations of the applicable code of professional responsibility. Originally, there were two counts in the disciplinary complaint, but a third count was added during the pendency of the proceedings based on the deposition I've described, which the lawyer slash respondent conducted in order to defend against the first two counts. As it happens, The first two counts were eventually dropped, leaving the Ohio Supreme Court to determine the lawyer's culpability based on the deposition that was taken to defend against the original complaint. The opinion of the Ohio Supreme Court says that the lawyer in question believed, this was one of her defenses, that she believed there was sufficient leeway in discovery depositions to use the tactic that she used. And the lawyer further asserted it worked. Well, the Supreme Court suspended the lawyer for six months, but stayed the suspension due to a clean disciplinary history and subject to a successful passage of that six-month suspension period without further accusations of misconduct. The Supreme Court, in its opinion, says, we recognize that the discovery process, particularly the pursuit of information through depositions, cannot be overly restricted if it's to remain effective. We must draw the line, however, when an attorney engages in subterfuge that intimidates a witness, 
while respondents' primary purpose during the deposition had been to elicit the truth, the tactic may have also tricked the deponent into thinking that the revelation of embarrassing competences was at hand. Uh, the court also said that while this kind of deception might induce truthful testimony, it's just as likely to elicit lies if a witness believes that lies will offer security from a false threat. Uh, in the opinion, there was a dissent from the chief justice at the time who was joined by another justice on the court. And in the dissent, they said they would have suspended the lawyer for a year and stayed six months of the suspension on condition she engaged in no further misconduct. And here's what the chief justice had to say in the dissent. Quote, in my view, however, attorneys must be held to ethical standards higher than that expected of poker players. Attorneys are not justified in employing deception, even when they believe that the person with whom they are dealing is untruthful. Were we to condone such conduct, the practice of law would likely slide to the lowest levels of ethical behavior. The maxim taught to us as children remains valid. Two wrongs do not make a right. Close quote. And the court was spot on. Now, have you ever encountered an opposing lawyer who brought what we might call props to a deposition like this? Files that maybe were labeled in a way that you knew were intended to be seen by and to send a message to the deponent? Or have you ever had an opposing counsel examine one of your witnesses and say something like, well, what if I told you that I talked to Miss Smith and she says that isn't true. Have you ever had a lawyer ask that kind of question when you knew, without doubt, that the lawyer had never talked to the witness or that the witness didn't say that? You know, there are so many different tools available to us as litigators, so many ways to examine a witness in order to spot and establish deceptions that this kind of tactic just isn't necessary or appropriate and obviously can get you into serious trouble. All right, that's it for today. As always, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a great week.